G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's take a few minutes to launch into a different approach to what is happening to Christian faith in Australia. There seems to be a continued pressure to think that religion in Australia is in decline. It's a popular pastime to assume that there is a decline, but the research about how religious Australians are continues to go against the grain. Peter Curty is a research fellow with the Centre for Independent Studies and an ordained minister with the Anglican Church. He's found a different way to talk about church in monitoring the behaviour of Australians as religious consumers. He's just written an article called A Shy Hope in the Mind, Secularisation and the Diversity of Australia's Religious Economy. So hold tight with us as we launch into a different way to talk about faith. Peter's been exploring what a supply-side analysis of religion might reveal about the place of religion in Australia. Peter Curdy, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be with you. Peter, I must say, looking through your article, it is refreshing to see a different way than I'm familiar with in talking about Christian faith and religion in general. And you've begun to pick up some language that business people understand about the idea of supply and demand. That's right. And this this language, in fact, comes out of a, 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 a business sort of study in many ways. It comes out of an, a field called the economics of religion, which has been developed in particular by some American economists. And they use the, the language of economics and the model of, modeling of economics that we might apply to trade or to other forms of manufacturing, and they apply it to religion. And they say, well, what does the religious market look like? If we think of religion as a market, and as you said in the intro, if you think of believers as consumers, what do we learn about the behavior of people once they are in that market? And they use the, the, the language and the, and the analysis of economics to, show, to throw a very different light, in fact, on, uh, on what the popular view of religion often is. When we talk about this different light uh, at a first glance, and no doubt you can go very deep into the economics of religion, the economics of church, but uh, at a glance, what does it mean to you, Peter? It means to me that, in fact, we have got to stop worrying about decline as such because that's I'm, I'm an Anglican I'm an Anglican minister and in the Anglican church in many parts of the country we do worry about declining numbers and we we worry about the future um, and I think that what we learn from the economics of religion is that if as it were the market produces and provides what consumers want and I know this sounds very commercial but just stay with me if we if the market produces if producers supply what consumers want, 
then then consumers will will take that and they will move away from the, the the lines of supply that they don't like. To put it in simple terms, my local Anglican church uh, here in Sydney sometimes struggles with numbers a bit, but just up the road uh, in the Hills District, Hillsong is going gangbusters. Why? Because Hillsong is obviously producing and presenting and supplying something that people want. And that says to me that religion is not declining. It's not God that people are turning away from. It's the way in which uh, religious believers are, are able to worship and the, and the kind of life that, people, that religious believers want in community. That's what's changing. Uh, now, something in me hears uh, you're sending a message here to the suppliers of Christianity, the suppliers of the religious economy, that unless they change, then decline might be in the future for them. But what you're saying is that uh, that when we think of believers, people who are pews sitters, uh, those who go along to church on a Sunday, they're a little bit like consumers and they're making their own informed choices about how they participate in their faith. That's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. And another interesting thing that the economics of religion has shown is that the more unregulated a market is, that is to say the, the fewer restrictions there are um, on, on belonging or moving between from, from one, uh, let's say, church to another, uh, the easier it is for people to form themselves into, into religious communities. The less regulation there is, the more, the more buoyant the market is. And that's a very interesting thing, because often we can be very concerned with rules and we can be concerned with, um, with regulating how, for example, the churches work and how ministers of religion can work with communities. If we deregulate, if we make it actually easier, uh, that can also be something that, that, that um, stimulates the religious market all, all around. And Peter, you've found that the Australian religious market, as we're calling the church, actually looks much healthier than we're commonly led to believe if we believe some of the rhetoric we're hearing maybe in the mainstream media. Well, that's true. And if we extend the idea of a religious market beyond church and look at religion across the board in Australia, we do see some very interesting signs of life there. The 2016 census, which did show a rise in the number of people claiming no religion to over 30 percent. We know that. It, but it, at the same time, it showed that there were, uh, there were well over 60 percent of Australians who did have a, re- a religious affiliation. There are some groups that are growing. The largest and the fastest growing religious group in Australia is the Sikhs, and they have grown by 74% since 2011. So moving beyond Christians to look at all religious Australians, we'll see, in fact, that there are some signs of growth and that religion is far from finished. When we think of the religious bodies, I mean, obviously the biggest of those is Christianity. And, of course, then you've got a rising Islam, you've got a Hindu, uh, you mentioned the Sikhs. When we think of religion across the board, there are lots of different religions. And, uh, and of course, uh, when we think of decline, as you say, there are some of those religious philosophies, those religious ideologies that are actually uh, in, in really steep growth right now. But is that because of immigration or is that because of conversion, do you think? I think partly it's um, immigration. I think that uh, not necessarily uh, immediate growth due to immediate immigration, uh, but 
but people who migrate to this country who bring a different faith tradition, whether they're Sikhs or Hindus or Muslims, they will raise their kids and their families in that tradition. And uh, as they become more settled and as the population grows, so their religious presence will grow. So I certainly, certainly think it is, um, it is part in due to, uh, to, to immigration. But it could also be that people are, are converting. My sense is that that's a smaller number and that it will be just due to the buoyant nature of Australia's multicultural society. Now, Peter, there's this idea that secular Australia has an effect on religion, the idea that rising technology is going to cause a decline in Christianity, a decline in religion across the board. Does this idea of supply and demand, uh, does it show that somehow or other that secularisation, they call it a secularisation thesis, may actually be wrong? This is a very contested area, and it, in my view, it does show that the secularization thesis may well be wrong. People, of course, who, who defend the secularization thesis say that a supply-side analysis, as what we're talking about here when we're looking at religion, a supply-side analysis is deeply flawed. And yet there is plenty of evidence to suggest that the secularization proponents who said that, you know, as you just said, with modernization, with technical progress, people don't need religion that is wrong, that, it, that it, we have had seen a growth in religion and in religious life across the board, even with our modern and technologically advanced society. But the other important thing about the secularization thesis being quite possibly wrong is that when we see that religion matters, and when we understand that, in fact, religion is not finished and has not been thrown onto the pile by the advances of modernity, it means that we have to be all, be very vigilant about resisting calls for diminishing religious freedom. We have to stand for religion in this country, and I think we have to be very vigilant about defending the, the rights of all religious uh, believers in Australia to practice their life, their, their faith, as they wish, and to organise their communities as they wish. In some ways, I can hear you say attitude matters here because as Christian believers, we know that there is a huge contribution that's being made through the Christian church, whether it's schools or hospitals, nursing homes, welfare agencies. But if there is some sort of decision to roll over and accept somehow or other the thesis that religion is dying, therefore uh, we don't do those things anymore, then the whole nation suffers. Is that the way you, you ought to look at the attitude that you have towards uh, religion and, uh, and this idea of a secularization theory? Yes, I think it is. And it's interesting that there's been a very timely report released by a, a group called the uh, Study for the Economic Impact of Religion on Society, or CIROS as they call themselves, and this is a fascinating report because they have just found, they've done some research, and they have found that they put an economic value on, the, on what religious believers volunteer uh, in, in Australian society. And that economic value is $339 million. And when you add in another um, $142 million in monetary donations to not-for-profits, to welfare agencies, you know, the, the gamut of religious institutions, that figure, the economic impact of religion on society, rises to an astonishing $481 million. That's, that's half a billion dollars. So it shows that, in fact, religion is actually a very, very important part of our life in this country and that we need to resist those who argue in a sometimes, I have to say, rather sneering tones who argue that it's all finished.
The timeliness of your release of this article, because with the religious freedom debate that is now significantly underway, uh, you're approaching this uh, in a way that uh, will help to defend the idea that religious freedom is a necessary attribute of Australian society. How are you hoping that uh, that people will take your article and apply it to what's happening uh, in that debate? One of the things I hope it will do is lift people's spirits and help people to see that, in fact, it's not all gloom and doom. Because if, we, if you follow the mainstream media very often, you can be led to believe that, it, as I said earlier, that it's all, it's all over for religion. So I hope it will lift spirits. I hope it will encourage people to think about the, the value and, and the importance of religion in, in this country. And I hope that for religious believers themselves, particularly Christians, they will take heart from the fact that even though they may feel marginalized in, in, in some areas of life, perhaps where they go to work or uh, where they make their homes, that that they need not feel marginalized and that they are valued members of the community who make a valuable contribution to our society. Well, Peter Curdy, uh, where do people access your article? Is there a particular place or a website, uh, no doubt, through your role at the Centre for Independent Studies? Is that the place to, uh, to go to to see your article? It is, and the website is a very simple one. It's CIS, for Centre for Independent Studies, CIS.org. And there are various links that will take you right to it. And people will be very welcome to come and have a look. Peter Curdy, Research Fellow with the Centre for Independent Studies, cis.org.au. If you're interested in that business analysis of how you look at religious life in Australia, you'll want to see his article called A Shy Hope in the Mind, Secularisation and the Diversity of Australia's Religious Economy. Peter Curdy, thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.